everybody. Welcome to another Whiskey Web and Whatnot with myself, Robbie Wagner, my co-host, as always, Charles W. Carpenter III, and our guest today, Wes Boss, <laughs> who has his own podcast. You may have heard him on that. Maybe give a short intro on who you are, what you do. Yeah. So my name is Wes Boss. I'm a web developer from Canada, and I create web development courses for people to take and learn how to build apps and, and websites. So you can check it out. It's at westboss.com. I also have a podcast called Syntax. Uh, we do that twice a week, and we just talk about all things web development, pretty, pretty heavy on JavaScript, both server side and client side, as well as CSS and whatnot. Nice. Yeah, I, I listen to it quite a bit myself. Oh, uh, right on. That's, yeah. that's good to hear. Uh, two episodes a week. I'm impressed, too. Yeah, we uh, we had all these topics that were like um, just shorter topics. And we're like, do we like put like four of them in an episode and they're totally unrelated? And we, we have this idea of like on Mondays, we do a hasty treat, which is 15 minutes long or so. Uh, and then on Wednesday, we do like a tasty treat. And that's a whole hour long uh, podcast. So it's nice because we have like we have like two different like mediums in which we can dive into topics. Well, that's cool. Yeah. And you're not dissuaded like from a topic because it's either too long or too short. You're like, totally. oh, well, no, these have a logical place to be. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I thought we would start before we talk too much about you. Um, we uh, I had a game that I thought would be fun to play where All Chuck right. can guess. I have a few things about myself, you, or both of us. So he needs to guess, is it Wes, Robbie, or both? So <laughs> first thing one, we're trying out. <laughs> yeah. The first one is, has a John Deere tractor? Uh, both. Yep. Yeah. I just had a feeling there. <laughs> <laughs> um, wife's name is Caitlin. <laughs> Robbie. That's both. Awesome. Oh, really? Whoa. Wow. Yeah. Wow. It's <laughs> almost like Caitlin. Wait, yeah. how do you how do you spell it though? There's like 14 different ways to spell it. Oh yeah, we we spell it different. It's uh, K A T E L Y N N. Okay, right on. Yeah, it's a, it's at least it's with a K. Yeah. First website created in sixth grade. Wes. That's, that's correct. That's true for me. Yeah. 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 Right <laughs> on. Okay. Yeah, I, I just was listening to that before this to get the the deets on your your origin oh, good. story. Which um, uh, the oh man, we did that one years ago. We're we're gonna update that one as well because it's it's probably been like four years since we've done that, and there's a lot more to my story now. Oh, interesting. Yeah, a few more. Um, used to create MySpace layouts for bands. Robbie, that's both. There. Whoa. <laughs> wow. I was I was talking to somebody at my barber the other day and he's like, how did you get into web development? MySpace? I was like, yeah, actually, I, I did get into web development on MySpace. Pretty much like half the industry started on MySpace. <laughs> yeah, I didn't realize how common it was. Uh, but yeah, I guess it's a lot of people. Yeah, all these punks had to grow up at some point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, first spa framework used was Angular. Um, Robbie, I actually don't know if you <laughs> happen to use Angular first. I just threw this one in, but I did use Angular first. Yeah, I I did Backbone briefly, but I would say like my first like like proper apps were Angular. So I'd, I'd go ahead and say that. Fair enough. Okay, another both. You guys are like <laughs> so alike. Yeah, the same person. Yeah, yeah. Tractors Turns out, and that's what we learned. Like, uh, X punk rockers with tractors. Yeah, I, I used to, uh, yeah, I had, uh, I recently moved to the country and so I've been riding around on my tractor listening to your podcast and every time I would hear one about that was like about stuff that was similar to what I was doing. I was like, wow, there's so much we have in common here. <laughs> Wait, where do you, where do you live? In Middleburg, Virginia. You get snow down there then, right? Um, or not sometimes a whole lot. we used to yeah. like global okay. warming has made us not, but <laughs> we used to get some. You don't have like a, a snow blower attachment for your tractor, do you? Because I just put mine on and it's cussing <laughs> at it. No. <laughs> Are you getting snow already? <laughs> uh, well, we we usually, we, I have the tractor up at our cottage. And usually what happens is I'll put it on before it snows. It has snowed already. Yeah, definitely. But uh, like not enough that you need a snow blower for it. But eventually it will. And usually what happens <laughs> is you have to park the car at the 
park the car at the at the road, walk in, and then snow blow it, and then drive the car in. Oh my! <laughs> Yikes! <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we have vastly different uh, winter experiences. I'm in Phoenix, <laughs> Arizona, so oh, okay. Yes, there is no snow here, and I sometimes put on a jacket. <laughs> so. Oh, that's good. No, I've definitely already had the huge down parka on. Yeah, nice. Canada goose. I mean, it has to be right. Yeah, yeah, yep. Canada <laughs> goose. Uh, should we dive into some whiskey? I mean, we're already yeah. loosening loosening up here, but. <laughs> yeah, so we uh, we didn't all quite get the same whiskey this time, but um, Chuck and I, I believe, have the 1792. Did you get the small, small batch, batch, Chuck? Yeah, I did. I did. Yeah. Even though I had a pool to the other one, I really, uh, yeah, I decided to do at least us two the same. Uh, so in a first, yes, Wes has, uh, wasn't able to get the same one. We yeah. can't ship it to you internationally, oddly enough. Uh, but no, I think you made a good choice. Yeah, weird liquor rules here in Canada, and it's we only have one place that you can buy um, like liquor, and it's called the LCBO, the Liquor Control Board of Ontario, and like that's it. You can't you can you can buy beer at grocery stores starting a couple of years ago, but hmm. like the closest one that had the one that we were gonna do was like an hour drive away, and I was like, ah, oh, forget that. Yeah, it's similar in Virginia. We it's all state owned, so you get what you get. Oh yeah. But there's some good variety there, though, in the Virginia ones. It can be. Although now you're in Middleburg, so your choices are more I do like the sound that these whiskey bottles make when they... Ooh, I just accidentally poured way too much. Mm. (laughs) Or just enough. (laughs) Well, the other side of things for me is it is only 1 p.m., and so this is real early to get started, but... (laughs) It's okay. It's it's a holiday week, right? Right, exactly. (laughs) <laughs> perhaps after this um yeah and uh, in tradition over the last few episodes for us i keep forgetting to bring a proper wh- whiskey glass into the office and so a coffee cup it is <laughs> it's, uh, what what is a proper whiskey glass all i i got this i don't know yeah. that yeah it's that, closer that, so than what chuck this has. is a water glass <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah i mean that's kind of like a your regular rocks glass or whatever okay yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. So a proper one is called a Glencarn, and it has that like kind of tulip shape to it. Okay, it's this one here. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, so he's got one that's like actually insulated too, so your fingers don't touch the glass and warm the whiskey. I don't know if that matters, but it does look I mean, cool. I'm not sophisticated enough for it to matter, but to some people, oh, yeah. it might. <laughs> so we are having the 1792 small batch. I have a couple of notes on the mash bill of things. So it is 74% corn, 18% rye, and 8% barley. So very corn forward on that. Where did you find that? Because when I read it, it was like 15 to 20% rye, and it was like a secret mash bill. Mm. Um, I don't. I found another website that like lists the mash bill of all these different whiskeys. Oh. Is did you say it's corn forward? Yeah, yeah, it's got. Yeah. It's gonna. It should be. So <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> bourbon. Yeah, I I have a drinking problem. Some might say, but that's okay. Um, so I was born in Kentucky. I'm really into bourbon. I like a few other whiskeys as well. Uh, and so you know, one of the things we talk about is the mash bill or just what uh, grains they use to start it all out. And that's bourbon really cool. has to be bourbon has to be 51 percent corn minimum. At. So you're always going to like get various levels of that. So you might get more sweetness of interesting. Corn. Yeah. Did, did you guys watch that documentary on the bourbon heist or whatever on Netflix? I did. Yes. That was that was pretty cool. Yeah. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. I thought it was cool. And it doesn't surprise me that there was like all, all kinds of crazy insider trading going on. Yeah. To begin with, <laughs> you know, good old boys were taking a couple bottles here and there. And that was fine for 50 years until when somebody got greedy. All right. Well, this is fun. Hmm. I'm getting, let's see here, feel like a little bit of a, and maybe it's just because Wes is here and, and, and you're influencing me, but I feel like a little, little maple in the beginning, <laughs> um, a little cinnamon. Yeah. <laughs> you can tap a tree for us, please. Um, and I know, so since you have a different one, yeah, and I, we make all these things up. It's not even that <laughs> serious. Everybody get, has their own interpretation of the, of the flavors that they're they're getting so we'd like talk a little bit about that and then we do a rating for it uh so 
Yeah, and you can rate your own independently based on your own okay. whiskey experience. So it's an eight tentacle scale because we are clever. Ah. Have, yeah, a tentacled being as our logo, you may have seen. So yeah, just one to eight, completely subjective. But um, yeah, I would say this, 1792, I mean, it's pretty easily drinkable and fairly inexpensive too, which was kind of nice. I got it for under 30 bucks. Yeah, I don't, I don't mind having this just as a sipper. So I would give it a, a better than average. I would say six. It doesn't blow me away. It's not really robust. I'm getting like two flavors, no burn whatsoever, which is interesting. Yeah, I think I would give it five um, simply because it's supposed to be like a normal bourbon. And it's very rye-like. So if you wanted a bourbon, this is not for you. But it is good in the rye category so middle of the road ish five i, I haven't haven't drank a lot of whiskey to to really compare it um it's definitely not fireball i say i put it above fireball <laughs> oh yes <laughs> that's good uh yeah it's, it burns a little i would pre- appreciate a little bit more flavor i think in it it's kind of just alcoholy but that's good based on other any whiskey too like you know scotch irish whiskeys any of them where would you rate it in comparison to like, I don't know, like you said, you don't really drink whiskey that often, but if you did, what would you go buy or how would you like it? Oh, I don't even know. I, I usually only drink whiskey when my buddies offer it up to me when we're hanging out and like I've got a couple of buddies that are into it. So I don't I don't even know what I would would list off as um, as it being. We have like a like a pretty cool distillery that's in town. And now I'm wondering if I should uh now that I know these things, corn forward and whatnot, I should uh, I should try some out. Yeah. So definitely. I'm going to defer that question until I have a couple more. Maybe have me back in a year and I'll be super into it. That's yeah, there you sort go. of my personality. <laughs> it is a rabbit hole. <laughs> be careful. I mean, would you have it again? Yes, I'll, I'll definitely finish this this uh, bottle off. I could I could I could see myself having a glass of this tonight, watching some HGTV with my wife, you know. Oh, nice. What's your favorite yeah. HGTV show? Oh man, I'm I'm into a, a lot of them. I've we're always big Chip and Joe fans. Um, yep. but they've moved to their own network now. Yeah, uh, I really like this. There's a bunch of them are in Canada. Property Brothers are often in Canada. Oh, Income yeah. Properties from Canada. Um, Brian Baumler, he's got a couple shows. He has like this like Island of Brian and whatnot, where he like bought a mm. he bought like an island in the Bahamas or something like that, and he's wow. turning it into a hotel. So, yeah, lots of Canadians on HGTV. We visited the silos uh, in oh, right on. this summer. Yeah. Well, so, what my, was it like? I always wonder, like, is it like millions of people that are just trying to wear shiplap T-shirts or? Right. Exactly. <laughs> Basically that. I mean, it's yeah. complex. It's and it's it, it was incredible. It was really fun. Took our family there. So I have two small kids and they have this like a bunch of food trucks and like a, a little baseball field and, and then the various shops. So like some smaller shops, the big like their big store, their furniture yeah. store, the bakery, like uh, and then they have a big restaurant in town, too. So I think they own half of Waco at this point. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. That's pretty but, cool. Yeah, it was nice. I would recommend half of Waco was like the ho- cost of like a house here. So they probably do. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, they probably bought up half the yeah. half the city before it got expensive. I think they've had a strong influence on the real estate market of Waco, Texas. Oh, yeah. yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Now, I, know I forgot about the Property Brothers being Canadian. Um, yeah, they're they're pretty fun. Yeah. Yeah, they're good guys. I think they stopped doing it in, I think, in Canada because it got so depressing with they would do it in Toronto. Um, mm-hmm. But then like the bidding wars and nobody would get a house and it's just kind of hard to film a TV show when nobody can buy something or people are spending $2 million on a crappy house, you know? So I think they moved yeah. to places where people have a bit more budget. Yeah. That kind of makes sense. I know I have some friends and colleagues in Toronto and uh, they've described some of the craziness in town trying to get a, you know, a house in town and it seems really nuts. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. We moved out of Toronto just for, for that exact reason. Bonkers. You moved out of Toronto and into the complicated, how do I have good internet situation, right? <laughs> yeah, no, we um, we moved to Hamilton, which is like, we live a, like downtown, a, a pretty big city. Yeah. Um, but we have a uh, a cottage 
in uh, four hours away in the middle of nowhere. That's that's where the tractor and all the all the rural stuff is with the internet and whatnot. And we we had spent because of the pandemic, we had spent like I don't know, probably like six eight months of the last two years there. So uh, a significant amount, probably no more than that, because we're there all summer. And then we spent like February to June there both years. Yeah. Yeah. I have, uh, I feel the internet woes. Oh yeah. Yeah. We have no cable or anything to the house. So then like our only internet option is it gets like beamed to us from somewhere around. I don't know. Yeah. It's a line of sight. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like 10 Mbps on a good day and it's like hundreds of dollars, which is oh yeah, obnoxious. Did you sign up for Starlink now? I did. Yeah. But it's uh, it says it's at capacity in my area until potentially the end of next year. <laughs> so, yeah. Brutal. Yeah. That sucks. Yeah. How long did you have to wait for yours? So I signed up like within 10 minutes of them announcing it. Uh, opening up in February and I got it late August. So okay. quite a while, quite a big wait, but I was the first person in the, like within like that. I, I saw who had it and I talked to all the neighbors and everything. So uh, now quite a few neighbors have it, but I don't know if it's at capacity or not. Was it still working well? Yeah, it's, it's awesome. It's like it's faster than what I you can pay for in the city uh, if you don't go like I eventually I got faster here in the city, but I had to get like a like a business account with them. Like you just like a residential service. It's like way faster. Start Starlink is way faster, which is crazy if you think about it. Yeah, I never would have thought we would solve all the Internet problems with tons of tiny satellites. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's huge for uh, people who want to live. And rural location, it's huge for like property values as well. Just if you want to be able to move outside the circle of what spectrum or whatever you have down there, you can you can do that now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's very appealing. Like basically, garage and connection speeds are the big draws for me. I don't yeah. ever want to go back <laughs> to no garage anymore. <laughs> I lived in Washington D.C. for about seven years. Oh yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Garage is key. Even in heat or snow or whatever else. It's like a must have for us in the snow because otherwise you're every morning you're scraping off just like ice that's formed on your windshield. It's it's miserable. Mm. I mean, maple syrup is good, but I, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, and Canada's very polite. <laughs> yeah. Boy, I don't like the snow. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love snow. No, don't don't come here if you don't like the snow. Yeah. I'll come there in the summer. I love Toronto. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, I used to work for a company called Acquia, and I was just engineering manager at the time, and some of my teams were in Toronto, so I'd go there every quarter. And it was great, except for when it was January. That was the time where I didn't (laughs) want to go. I was like, how about you guys come to Boston? It's warmer there. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's miserable, especially in, like, the cities, because it's, like, snowy for, like, an hour, and then it's just everything melts, and it becomes slush, and there's cars splashing gray slush on you yeah it's a little bit nicer in the in the rural areas of canada (laughs) yeah i know you did a recent podcast on uh next.js 12 release and you're deep in the react world and whatnot although this isn't whatnot this is web uh so yeah what are your feelings around the the recent release on next.js and their whole narrative that they are now the sdk of the web I don't think that they're like the SDK of the web. Like we're always the web. The whole point of the web is that it's it's open and it's just a standard language that you can build whatever you want on top of it. Uh, but that said, I'm I'm probably the biggest Next.js fanboy out there. Uh, so I'm I'm really into it. They're they're making things really really simple for us. Um, they're sort of taking a lot of the like hard parts of React and doing away with them um, and making this just like a really nice framework for for building websites on it so i've been i just i absolutely love next.js and i'm stoked to see that every single version that they have has some big big updates to it i love that they're all about performance too so a they give you just some standard patterns and guardrails around creating applications versus you know react is 
the library to render and then you have to like choose your own adventure all the rest of the way which just you, there's just so many various paths there like the fact that next is saying no no this is kind of how we should do it with these tools yeah i i think that's that's really important with these tools is that it does the code splitting and and uh all the performance stuff for you because the like the average web developer is not going to spend any time uh, trying to implement these things themselves. They they don't have enough time. They've got deadlines to hit, or they just don't know how. So uh, the tools doing it for you really is the way forward when you when it comes to doing things perf wise and different image formats and tree shaking all that good stuff. Yeah, definitely. How do you feel about uh, Rich Harris joining Vercel? You think React is dead now? <laughs> um, I think that was a huge vote of confidence for Svelte and SvelteKit. Quite honestly, you look at React and you look at Svelte, and if those things were both brand new right now, I think Svelte would probably take off over over React just because there's still a lot of like weird things in React that are kind of annoying to, to deal with. And Svelte just makes those things really, really simple. Like you can just update a variable and it just updates state, right? Like you just say the variable equals 12 and wherever that variable is used, it, it gets updated. Whereas with React, you got to set state and you got to have a hook and all this sort of stuff. And like, I I know how to use that stuff, so I don't I don't complain too much. But then when you flip over to build something in Svelte, you're like, ooh, this, this is nice. This is really, really nice. So, and like Vercel doesn't care what's popular as long as they can host it, right? Right. Um, that's the whole reason why they are pushing Next.js forward is that like whatever people are using, whether it's Next or SvelteKit, they're probably going to try host it on Vercel if that's where the integration guide shows you how to do it. So it's really cool that now we have like two really, really solid options that are being supported by these companies. And you can wonder though, down the line, if somehow they kind of combine and become, you know, like, you figure out the greatest efficiencies between the two because Next is marketed as its own thing. So it doesn't necessarily yeah. have to be have the view layer driven by React, right? Maybe you have options or they swap it out at some point. That's hard to say. Yeah, I always, I always wonder that. Like at some point, will like there is frameworks out there that will, will do that already. You can mix and match it. And I, I often wonder, like, will Next.js become just like web component base where you can use React or will will Next.js roll out some sort of like uh, data layer, which is like the they have SWC, right? But it's not like that's not the thing everybody uses right now. And if they were to be like, all right, React, you have suspense now and whatnot, like maybe it's time. React is never going to going to roll out like an opinion, opinionated data, data layer like uh, like SvelteKit is. So maybe Next.js will. I don't know. I'm just like I don't have any inside uh, inside info on that but it would be kind of cool to see it if they did yeah definitely it'd be really cool to be able to swap your view layers out because uh I, I know they also are sponsors of nuxt like the view version of next basically so yeah i mean i think they're kind of getting everything together to where they can do that hopefully one day that would be really cool that's what um astro is attempting to be is that you can use components from Svelte and React and web components all in one single thing. But that's more of like a website framework. Um, but it's it's really cool to see that that is starting to be built. So I wouldn't I wouldn't say that it's off the table. I'm sure they've had conversations of like, what would it look like if Next.js was not React only at some point? Yeah, I do think it's interesting that these more robust frameworks are kind of choosing a lane at what 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 is the best use case to use them in because next really seems to be le leaning into e-commerce for example and then you have something else like redwood js which is saying oh we're the framework for startups because we're full stack we're kind of like so we actually talked to tom preston warner a couple of weeks ago and so to me it felt a lot a lot of what he was saying is like meteor js and ember got together and then had a new baby and yeah. so it was a lot of like ember like paradigms coming from rails and then this meteor like hey we're js for everything but also don't make me unhappy and miserable oh maybe that's redwood yeah yeah it's kind of cool to see how, how that is and like next leaning into e-commerce that's i think like they probably see 
okay, uh, besides hosting, like what are some, th- like they were rolling out, um, what was that thing that they announced? Like they're like live, uh, what's it called? They had like a thing that they were going to roll out where you could do like live editing on top of it. And I bet that will probably yeah. be a service they offer at some point. They're probably also looking looking over at Shopify being like, mm, that's kind of like a huge freaking one of the largest businesses in the world. Wouldn't mind yeah, a little no. piece of that, right? Like e-commerce, those are the people that have cash to spend on services and and whatnot. So totally could see that as well. Yeah, yeah. I figured that like things like incremental static regeneration was like tailor made for e-commerce. Yeah, well, it's as helpful for like any website, really. Like if I think about my own my own website, my website's on Gatsby and my website's gotten so large that the build times for it are are pretty, pretty long. Um, and Gatsby is definitely rolling out some stuff to fix that. But I think Next.js is much better suited to to doing that, at least right now. Agreed. But, you know, they're setting some patterns and giving people the opportunity to iteratively like work off of that. So it's yeah. also pretty yeah. cool. A little bit of invent, a little bit of steel. And that's all right. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So what are your thoughts on things like TypeScript and like, I mean, we had kind of a little bit of a discussion on this, I guess, last week. Things like, you know, CoffeeScript kind of came out and like kind of changed the game and then like went away. Do you think TypeScript is here to stay or like, will it maybe be included in JavaScript one day or do you think yeah, on the future that's, of that? <laughs> we, I, I was just talking to somebody on Twitter about this like like six minutes ago before we started recording. <laughs> um, that's a great question. I think like TypeScript has definitely won that space and people are now convinced that yes, types make authoring an awesome experience. It makes finding edge case bugs really easy. And like the benefits of it are very clear to most people. There's certainly downsides and there's there's trip ups to t- TypeScript and whatnot and can be a little slower to author initially. But I think it's here to stay. And like, what does that look like for the language of JavaScript now if we all start writing it? And I bet we will have some sort of optional types added to the language at some point, just like we saw like 12 years ago with jQuery, everyone's like, just add jQuery to the browser. Like, it's perfect. It does everything we want. It's amazing. The API is really slick. Like, can we just add it to the browser and so that we don't have to ship this jQuery thing? And they said, well, kind of. Um, (laughs) We'll give you literally every API. Now you look at jQuery and it didn't die off because people started moving to React and whatnot. It, It died off because the browser got good enough. We have query selector all and we have all these parent-child traversing methods. And we can do literally anything we want, all the data methods in vanilla JavaScript right now. And I bet that we will see, I don't know what it'll look like, but we'll start to see some proposals for adding types to JavaScript. And then like what that will look like, I I don't know uh, what it will look like. Will it look like exactly like TypeScript or will it look something totally different? Same thing with CSS, right? Like we got variables in CSS and they're a little bit weird looking, but we certainly got them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It would be nice if, I mean, it does seem like the standards kind of don't make it their way into the real thing. Like, you know, SCSS variables are really nice and easy to yeah. use and the, the nesting is nice. And like, why can't it just be the same in CSS? But it's weird because like CSS doesn't want to break anything. And the reason why we have to use dash dash and all that is so that they can maintain backwards compatibility with the language. Uh, so that if you loaded a 2021 CSS on IE6, it wouldn't break because the syntax is not different. But with JavaScript, we're certainly okay with adding back ticks and stars before functions for generators and things like that. Like that's totally fine. So I'd be I would think that we are in a better spot with JavaScript in that they're like, yeah, we can break the we can break the language to add angle brackets or something like that to decipher a type. Yeah. Yeah. I guess um, JavaScript has had transpilation for a long time, I guess. So maybe they don't care as much because that exists. Yeah. But like the the whole reason we got Babel was um, was like six to five. It was called six to five before Babel even came out. And yep. the only reason we got that was because they're like, yeah, we're, we're breaking the language, like tough nuggies. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're going to move ahead with this, but we'll give you an out. Yeah, yeah. Closure Compiler, that was the one that we had at oh, the time. Yeah. So yeah. maybe they thought, I think we're getting way back, though. 
Yeah, but I think um, like PostCSS is kind of newer, I guess, which mm-hmm. kind of does similar things for CSS. So like maybe we'll get there to where they're less afraid of breaking things, but I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I'd be curious to see like like even even have an answer. I was like, why can't you break CSS if if we are okay with it and we know the the possible downsides to it? Yeah, as long as you don't have to support IE anymore, right, Chuck? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, current client, uh, one caveat is must support IE 11. And so this next 12 upgrade has been challenging. That's what my last oh, week yeah. has been. Yeah. So you guys are still supporting IE 11? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, man. That's, yeah, that's, it's, I, I don't know. Like, I actually haven't had to support that in a while. So I don't even know what that pain is. Yeah, and I hadn't really. Uh, and, you know, Next does a great job of supporting it with some basic, like, hot-loaded polyfills and stuff. But changing over from uh, the ba- from Babel to SWC has been, I-, I think that's maybe, you know, the change. But, yeah, just IE11, at least. And this is a very large pharmaceutical distributor and fa- manufacturer in their life sciences division. So... There's many millions attached apparently to these and they have the metrics that say, yes, yes, yeah. we have to do it. So because oftentimes you can sort of like fight that fight and just say like the that pool is so small, we can all move on evergreen across the board, please. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I was actually surprised the vaccine rollout here in Ontario did not support IE11. And I was like, I would have thought if anything would support IE11, it was life-saving medicine, but apparently not. <laughs> Upgrade your damn browser. Yeah. Like... <laughs> I think if anything, they probably would have to support older Android because if, if you think about the people who are vulnerable and, and whatnot, um, maybe they have data saying uh, they have older Android phones that are, they're not, that's all they have access to instead of like, oh yeah, they have a IE 11 machine when they could just go download Chrome, you know? Yeah, the people that have IE 11 machines still, I think, are probably not using the internet and knowing about, like, signing up for vaccines online. Yeah, Yeah, they they are (laughs) going to a pharmacy and saying, I need this. Yeah, I have not filled out any forms. Can you print them for me? Yeah, I mean, that's a possibility. (laughs) And conversely, it's, like, possibly almost cheaper rather than spend multiple teams, developer hours on constantly supporting this small subset is uh, just getting some Chromebooks and going to their houses and saying, here, let's sign up together. I will help you. Yeah. I, you've made it through most of the tech topics, uh, unless you had something in top of mind, Wes. Oh, I could talk about anything. Yeah. What's what's the hotness? <laughs> what is the hotness? Yeah. Next 12, yo. Yeah. Next 12 is, is the hotness right now. Mm-hmm. Uh GitHub Copilot's the hotness right now. That's a big yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. I'm just playing Have with that. Have you guys that. tried it's that out? Of, yeah, it's fun. Yeah, it's yeah. it's super surprising. I can't believe how good it is. I'm I'm really yeah. surprised. Yeah, I'm getting older. I need machines to think for me more and more yeah. all the time. So this is I'm into it. Taking a yeah. box. Yeah, I just need to coast into retirement. So as long as the machines <laughs> can bring me there. There you go. Once they implant one into you, then you get to retire. That's really <laughs> it. Yeah. 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 Are there any other things you've been dabbling in? Oh, man. Trying to think about all that different stuff. Like Svelte Kit is probably the big one that I've been been dipping my toes into uh, as of lately. Not a whole lot. It's been been a kind of a crazy year, year and a half just with the business and whatnot. And uh, I haven't got to kind of fiddle with uh, enough. And usually when I do have time to fiddle, it's I'm interested in uh, like like hardware projects, things like that, uh, whether it's electronics or uh, hooking up JavaScript. We just we just recorded a podcast the other day where this guy works in like an industrial city and he's using Node.js to automate factories and big industry and all that. And it was just got me thinking like, oh man, that that is so cool. And he's like, yeah, there's this, this whole other side of JavaScript. It's not web development, but it's just autom- It's just automation and internet of things. But for, he called it the IIoT, the industrial internet of things. That's kind of huh. interesting. That's yeah. really cool. I've always wanted to yeah. do like a node Arduino project, but 
just haven't had time. But yeah, exactly what what you can do there is like control hardware with Node. Yeah, yeah, the Arduino stuff is really fun. Probably about two years ago, I did a um, like a drone project where I flew the drone with Node, and then I can like I built a UI in React, and that was that was super fun and like really opened my eyes up to how these machines work, right? Like, it's not like these machines are running JavaScript. It's that you're just sending commands to them in whatever command language they speak. Um, and then you're using JavaScript as the the method to send it over. In my case, it was is UDP, the protocol. Yeah, that sounds really fun. Yeah, yeah. Was, I, I love that kind of stuff. And I don't have as much time to do that. I Before I had three kids, I definitely dabbled <laughs> in it a lot more. But it's still fun every now and then to to dip into it. Yeah, I can empathize quite a bit. Uh, <laughs> two young kids, two and five, uh, yeah. boy, boy and girl, and they keep me on my toes. Totally, totally. So, so at some point, I'll get back into it. Yeah. Seems like you're still doing a lot of stuff, though. Like I heard the recent podcast about putting the uh, new radio in your uh, van. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, that 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 stuff also is like interests me, even though it's like not coding, understanding how electronics work and... I've been doing a lot of like hacking my kids' toys that have <laughs> uh, batteries in them, making them faster, um, fixing cars, things like that. So I'm also like really into that as well as just like figuring out how real world stuff works and, and fixing that and upgrading it. That reminds me of a podcast. Uh, so it was like a, a Tim Ferriss podcast from a couple of years ago. And he was talking to a guy, Sammy is his name who uh, does a bunch of ethical hacking in order to like point out flaws and things. And he was able to basically turn a kid's toy into a radio function device that could unlock car doors. Isn't that? Yeah. What? It's nuts. If you think about it, like you just, you open it up and you look at literally the chips that are on these and they're often just common Texas instrument chips. And you go and look at the spec sheet for what that chip can do. Uh, and can say, oh, wow, I can send radio frequencies out. The the, the big one was uh, like years ago, there was like a little Polly Pocket diary yeah. and it it could send the same frequencies as older garage doors. So oh. the guy could just walk down the street, hit a button and it would cycle through all 9,999 garage door codes and it would just open every garage door. That's on the amazing. <laughs> yeah, that stuff yeah. is pretty interesting. I like reading yeah, it about is. it in the very least. So, <laughs> yeah, I had no idea having not had kids toys yet. It's really fun. And it's it's also like kids toys are so simple and it's a great way and a low stakes way to learn soldering electrical electrical components, um, because almost always they're just some board that doesn't doesn't go wrong. And it's usually just some wires are wrong or the the battery's not connected or something like that and you can you can really learn a lot and then if if it doesn't work it's just some like five dollar kids toy you got a yard sale <laughs> yeah you trash it I'm I'm inspired yeah there you go <laughs> yeah the fact that chips work at all still just blows my mind like hardware yeah I don't just crazy <laughs> the fact that <laughs> chips are like silicone or sorry not silicone silicon Someone's like, we taught sand to think. And like that blew my mind. It's true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe so we shouldn't it. have taught sand to think. Mm, yeah. I mean, that's the big uh, the trade for convenience that we've all opted into. Yeah. Without totally. getting too dystopian, though. <laughs> I'm going to go to. So in some of your hobbies that uh, that you share on your website, I was like digging into that. Yeah. So one of those, and you were saying like some things haven't been updated in a while. So I just wanted to like kind of come back to some of that. Are you still doing vintage road bikes? I actually just got out of the game maybe like a month ago, um, but probably for 12 years, I had been buying and selling uh, old Italian and Canadian road bikes, uh, fixing them up and, and selling them. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a super, super fun hobby. I still, I like kept a couple of my good ones, but between like running out of room in the garage and we've had our garage broken into a couple times and I've had some mm. of my, like the best ones stolen. So, uh, I was like, I said, ah, you know what? I've, I've got so many other hobbies right now. Like I get into stuff, like I go deep and then I'm, I'm done with it. I move on to the next thing. Once I'm, I've sort of like 
done it. And road bikes is probably one of the longest hobbies I've had, but I think I can say I'm officially done with that hobby, except for my own personal bikes. You can dig that. I can dig the whole, like, go down a rabbit hole and then there I am forever becoming a quasi expert or whatever. Yeah. And I speak to for myself as far as the quasi parts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've like worked on cars and you know things like that, but I've always wanted yeah. to get into the hardware part. Yeah, it's it's fun to fun to do that stuff. Like I got super into um, small engines in the last like year and a half. Uh, like little kids ATV boat motor I found in the dump I fixed and got Ooh. running and like just got deep on how two stroke engines work. And now like I feel like I have a pretty good idea and I'll probably still work on them here and there. But like I'm not crazy about that. And now I move on to the next thing, you know? Yeah. So what's up with the big green egg then? That is. Uh, just a barbecue that I, ha- I actually have three of them. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> wow. So Serious. I'm, I'm pretty into that. That's something I haven't given up on. And that's just like a it's like a really good barbecue that you'll have forever. And like it, it's an amazing barbecue. It, it makes amazing tasting food. It's a smoker. It's a pizza oven. And um, I'm really into like products like that that are lasting forever because I, I often go and like sneak into the dump and just pick around at what they got in there. And one of the most popular things in the dump is unfortunately barbecues that look like they're three years old. And it's, it kind of like bums me out that like people buy these $400 barbecues and they use it for three or four years and then they throw it in the dump and like, hopefully it's being recycled. But uh, to me, it's just like, there's just something really nice about buying something and having it for like, I've had mine for like nine years and it's like still brand new and I use it like two or three times a week. Wow. That's great. Yeah. So I have so, follow up questions to, to that. Why, so do why I. three? <laughs> uh, do you have, are they like three different sizes or for three different yeah. types of food? Or? So <laughs> we have, uh, I, I initially, I bought a large, I don't know, about nine years ago. And that's like your standard one. And then I bought a what's called a mini max. And it's like, I don't know, it's probably like like 40 or 50 pounds. It's pretty heavy, but you can bring it with you places. So we used to rent cottages and whatnot. And I would just bring it so we could have like the worst thing is when you rent a like an Airbnb and they have like worse stuff than you have at home. Yeah. Like, wow, this, <laughs> this bed is not as comfortable. Like these knives are not as sharp as what I have at home. And this, in my case, it was this barbecue sucks and like I can't make as good as food as I have at home. And like when you're on vacation, you want like better food than you have regularly. Right. Right. So I got a mini max uh, for Christmas one year from my wife and it's awesome. You bring it around. But then when a couple of years ago we bought our own cottage, I had just been like on the lookout for uh, like a used used one for the cottage. And I found an XL, which is huge. Um, so I, I snapped that up. So now I have, I don't use the mini max hardly at all. Um, I'm, I've always thought about getting rid of it, but I just use a large here in the XL at the cottage. Yeah. The one day you travel, you're going to be like, I wish I had that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, <laughs> it's also like, it's super heavy. And then you also have to like, wait like three hours for it to cool down. So it's not even something, unless you had a truck, you can't just like throw it in the back of your car. Cause the thing is smoking for three hours after. So I, I had a neighbor in D.C. that had a big green egg and, you know, I did some cooks with him uh, over a few years. And I'm curious because there's all these ed- crazy hacks you can do, too. So you can, like, set up an Arduino device that will like and a fan that will just yeah. monitor the temperature and change the fan to, like, keep your temperature more consistent and all that. Do you have those things? Yeah, Um I when I first got it, I was really into the like all the gadgets and the the wireless thermometer and the iPhone app and everything like that. And honestly, I don't use any of it now. I just you just I I got so good at opening and closing the vents. Uh And basically, you could just throw it on and dial the vents in. You come back and check it 20 minutes later, make sure it's not like on fire. And then you just sort of know, like you've got a, a like a cheap little instant rate thermometer. You poke in the food every now and then. But what I love so much about the Big Green Egg is that it's it's charcoal, it's wood, it's fire. It's very simple. You don't have to plug it in. There's no Wi-Fi. Like I see the, the, what's really popular now is to get these pellet smokers that mm, have like an yeah. iPhone app and whatnot. And like you often see those 
being sold super rusted out or people saying it needs a new Bluetooth board. And I'm like, mm. like, I have enough problems with my day to day with technology. I don't need any technology in my food. And there's just something so nice about it being this primitive wood and charcoal and fire and you don't have to fuss with it. So I don't even use uh, the wireless thermometer anymore. Nice. Yeah, I mean, people cooked for <laughs> thousands of years without any technology. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> it's like a, it's a bit of an art form to like get it dialed in. But once, once you sort of know how it works and like I learned with thermometers, but now I, now I know how it works. I can just kind of, I know what will happen if I do certain things. And there's a sort of like a, a ritual and relaxation, like meditative state to, to some like more manual processes too, right? Like you can get a robot yeah. lawnmower or something, but going out and doing some yard work is actually like kind of cathartic to me. So I Yeah. I get yeah. That. Absolutely. I, I totally agree there. Like I, I probably wouldn't rule out the, the robot lawnmower myself just because <laughs> I don't necessarily enjoy it. I had a lawn mowing business as a kid, so I, I still mow the lawn, but I certainly would like a robot to do that. But yeah, like the, the cooking process to me is very enjoyable and I, I like to do it. Whereas some people just say, no, I, I want the end result, but I don't actually enjoy the process of it. You know, the, the planning it, the, the prepping of the food and checking on it and drinking 11 beers while you're waiting for it and all that. <laughs> right, exactly. All of those things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I've only tried to do, um, so I haven't done a lot of smoking. I did try to do pulled pork twice and both times did not go well, but I had like a really cheap three in one, like smoker grill, all this kind of stuff. And I think oh, yeah. it just was not good at its job. Yeah. Pulled pork is tricky to, to get right just because it can, it can dry out quickly. And also it takes a long time. You hit this thing called the stall where the food starts releasing enough of its moisture that it maintains the same temp forever. And you have hmm. to get it past that stall in order for it to hit the temps to fall apart. And it's, mm. it's at that stall that a lot of people sort of give up and just slice. It's still good if you just slice it with the knife too, though. Yeah. Yeah. But you got to get to the pinnacle. The achievement is there. I mean, I've watched enough of those like barbecue shows with the whole pig, yeah. whole hog yeah. roasting and stuff. And they turn it over and they're just like... Oh man, my buddy did it a couple of weeks ago. He did one of those in his in, for my friend's birthday, and I, I helped him out for a bit of it. It was that was really fun. Now it makes me think, oh, maybe I should have a whole hog pit. <laughs> maybe, and then I and then I went down. Maybe I should learn to weld. You know, all right. <laughs> <laughs> maybe you should in a real prepper kind of world. Those are skills yeah. that would be useful. <laughs> yeah, uh, let let me know and do it in the summer, and I will all visit right. Canada. <laughs> I do like Canada. I just don't like snow. No, no, that's fair. Yeah, I, I do like snow. We uh we went to uh, Montremblant and skied some, and we loved it there. So. Oh yeah. Yeah, we would we would like more snow. <laughs> I ate it so hard on Montremblant when I was in high school, yeah. and I've not gone snowboarding or skiing since. I just it's like you know what? I'm gonna break my neck. That's just not something I need to do. Yeah. Or I'll sit home with my pulled pork and you guys can go snowboarding. <laughs> that's yeah, funny. That's a there's a lot of conferences that do like a ski and conference. And I'm always like, you know what? I'm going to pass on this one. Yeah. I'm going to opt out. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not good at the skiing part either. Like we were doing <laughs> the, uh, the, the like green, really like almost flat hill. Right. And um, that was that was my jam. I could do that one okay, but then we did like a slightly more hilly one, and it was like towards the end of closing for that lift, and I didn't make it to oh, the yeah. bottom before the lift closed, so I couldn't get back to the other side. Oh no! So we had to like oh, no. take a bus all the way back. It was it was miserable, oh, brutal. Yeah, <laughs> I retired like five years or so ago. I was snowboarding last and I skied for a long time too, but you get a little older and weekends where you have to go wait in line to do two runs all day. Yeah. yeah. No, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't like lines. Anytime I can skip lines, I do. <laughs> it's not a sport. So there's an amusement park in Cincinnati called Kings Island. If you ever watch the Brady Bunch, they actually went there 
in one episode. Ooh, uh, yeah, in the 70s, of course. So, and I just remember as a kid where you're waiting in line for different roller coasters, they'd have these signs saying, line jumping is not a sport. <laughs> oh, gotcha. Yeah. I didn't know what you were referring to. Yeah, I had to give you context. I yeah, oftentimes, that was, that was an obscure reference. Yeah, I oftentimes have the joke in my head and it doesn't land. My wife tells me all the time, like, you, you got to tell people what you're talking about. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. All right. I've got one last question for you, Wes. Sure. How many episodes of Whiskey Web and whatnot have you listened to? I'm just oh. really wondering. And it's okay if it's zero. I mean, yeah. I am going I, to cry, <laughs> but it's okay if it's zero. I turned it on for about 10 minutes uh, when you invited me just to kind of make sure you weren't some deranged Crazy. lunatic. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah. turns out we are. That's about it. It's we funny because they don't. The reason we and like now that we just like are, are shooting the shit here, maybe I will will tune in a bit. But I usually don't listen to technical podcasts. And the whole reason we started Syntax was that uh, most technical podcasts are not very good because the people on them are just like very stark and talking about uh, very technical things. And it's not very interesting to me. And it's it's nice to have a little bit of fun on a podcast and it keeps people engaged and talk about your tractor and all that kind of stuff. So <laughs> I appreciate that then. So I appreciate that oh, you like took the time to accept the invite. Uh, wasn't just for the free <laughs> booze. So that's cool. And uh, yeah, that's exactly kind of what we were trying to do. We were just trying to have a little bit of fun drink some whiskey, talk tech, talk the things, talk about the things we're interested in and see if anybody yeah. cares. That's good. It's, it's fun to do because like, this is what conferences used to be before me and before uh, Corona canceled all the conferences. So I haven't done that <laughs> yeah, in a while. For sure. Yeah. This is like a little fireside chat with, with some yeah. developers. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Oh, and me. <laughs> Cause you don't develop. <laughs> I do. Well, but, yeah. uh, Yeah. If you listen to some older ones, you'll you'll hear about like how I'm striving to become a YAML developer. <laughs> It'll be the very first. <laughs> no, no, no. They call those guys DevOps. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I don't know exactly what time we started, but I think we're about at time here. So thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, if you liked it, please subscribe. See you guys next time. Thanks for listening to Whiskey Web and Whatnot. This podcast is brought to you by ShipShape and produced by Podcast Royale. If you like this episode, consider sharing it with a friend or two and leave us a rating, maybe a review, as long as it's good. You can subscribe to future episodes on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. For more info about ShipShape and this show, check out our website at shipshape.io.